0: Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, non-profit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Welcome back. So this is part two of uh, the series evolution of a preacher. And by preacher I'm using that interchangeably as elder slash deacon slash pastor. Because those terms are kind of interchangeable. Uh, There's some debate within the denominations and and such as to if that's... But look, in the Bible, New Testament the word is the same word. (laughs) Uh, There is a distinction between an elder and a deacon, though. And one of the biggest distinctions in that is that elders are supposed to be able to teach. If they don't know how to teach, they're not an elder. Even if they have the tag of an elder, and everybody on the planet voted them there, they're not an elder, according to biblical precedent. You have to be able to teach. Normally, that means the Word of God. They're not talking about music theory when they're talking about he needs to be able to teach. They're not talking about nuclear physics. They're talking about the Bible when he's supposed to he or she is supposed to be able to teach. And, of course, that's another question. There's a lot of denominations that do not ordain women. And I'm not here to to jump headfirst into that volcano. But let me just say, I believe this biblical precedent for women elders. Now, I'm just going to say that and leave it. Because already people are like freaking out. But here's the thing. The modern idea that we have is we divorced... Way different than they had 2,000 years ago. And then, of course, you know, everybody's probably thinking, well, duh. Part of it has to do with the fact that through the Middle Ages, this professional minister idea developed. And it's not in the Bible. Professional ministers, not in the Bible. You know, people will go crazy. You know, well, Jesus was a professional minister, and, and he went through and he took all the you know he took stuff from people, and they and they supported him. Yes, it's very true. However, they're skipping past the fact that he was a carpenter for thirty years, and still a carpenter, and still knew how to do do his stuff. They are also skipping past the fact that Paul was a leather worker, and Paul. Told the Galatians, "Look, I'm earning my own way, so you guys can't tell me that that I, that, you, that 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 you did something for me, and then I'll owe you." And that's paraphrasing, but that's kind of the idea he had. And I don't want it to sound indebted to you; it's kind of his idea. So here's the thing: by vocational, they knew how to do other stuff. The rabbis of the old days had other jobs; they knew. Now, they may be just an itinerant. That happened, too. But they were pretty dang poor. Which, by the way, isn't what happens nowadays. We got got pastors making $150,000, $200,000 a year. Holy Toledo! That's more than a doctor makes. And they decide people's you know, help people live. Now, and by live, I mean keep them alive. And, of course, those same pastors will just argue, well, that's what I'm doing, too. Well, okay, so if you give them a Bible passage, then boom, they're done, and everything keeps going. Whereas if they get a prescription from a doctor, then it literally can keep them from dying. Physically, right? Anyway, I don't want to get into that, but here's the thing. Here's the issue. Once someone goes into ministry, number one, ministry is should be looked at like education and social work. And that is, you don't get rich from it. Or at least ideally, you don't. Prosperity preachers will say otherwise. But I'm telling you right now, that's not the way it's intended. Now, if somebody is bivocational and they are really good at doing their other job and they make their money, that's fine. I'm not, again, you know, I mentioned this before, not opposed to people being wealthy because God does that for people so they can help other people more. And that's awesome. But it really bugs me when people are getting filthy stinking rich off the church. That makes me crazy. But but here's the thing. The initial change, the initial thing is this. It's a servant. Pastor, bishop, elder. Servant to the people to teach and to help them grow. Equip them. Now... Most denominations do it different. Some denominations take really good care of these people when they make the the, the change and they say, hey, I, I want to do full-time Christian service. Now, by the way, that's not in the Bible either. Well, it is in this fashion. When you become a believer in Jesus, you are immediately in full-time Christian service. End of story. But what they're talking about when they surrender to preach or teach or pastor or whatever, they usually are talking about I'm want to get paid all of my money to survive on from the church professionally. Okay, that's what they're saying. now um, we got tons of little rites of passages, you know, in this process, but here's the thing. The, the deal is ordination and then church position. In this process, many denominations throw in Bible training, which is fine, which is awesome, which is cool. I would hope that someone who actually surrenders to teach already knows this stuff. Why? Because God's impressed in their heart uh, the the love of the Word of the living God and they know this jazz before they even start doing quote-unquote theological education. And by the way, I am all for theological education. I am 500% into it. I have a seminary degree. I love theological education. I think, in my heart of hearts, I believe, it should be for everyone. I personally think that everyone in the pew ought to be just as smart as the pastor up there. And that he ought to be able to he or she ought to be able to point at anyone in the congregation and say, hey, would you give the sermon this morning? And they could get up and do it. That would be awesome, cool. Now, thing is, and by the way, in Jesus' day, during a synagogue service, every Jewish person there, and of course the women weren't invited quite often, (laughs) very often to do that, But every Jewish man that was supposed to be there was expected to be able to get up and give a deliberation on the current passage. It was an expectation. It just so happened, in most cases, Jesus was a visiting rabbi and they knew it. So they would ask. But can you imagine if the pastor got up and said, Hey, you know, I think the Spirit wants you to do a sermon today. And he points at you. So, let's look at the theological education aspect. Because a lot of times this ends up being a rite of passage. Some denominations make this process as horrendous as possible. They get these... People and they and they just think it's a rite of passage. We need to just beat the ever loving poo out of them. And they and believe me, they're do it's like systematic torture. They, they they put them in seminary. They give them they hand them a broom. They give them a work study program that pays you know two dollars an hour, and they work the ever loving poop out of them and starve their their kids and their families. And then you know, and on top of that, it's like indentured freaking servanthood because because they're in programs that are like. Holy Toledo, 96 hours long. Because that's what most MDiv programs, Masters of Divinity, which is the pastorate degree, it has been for years. And by the way, if you're trying to be a military chaplain, that's what they're looking for. A Master of Divinity degree. It just, I don't know, know, somewhere in the past... The standardization hit and then somebody decided this was the the degree you can get a religious education degree you can get in fact you can get a theology degree from a, a a private institution that has a theology school after your bachelor's degree for 36 hours 36 hours okay and that's you know And if you want to look at it this way, 12 hours is full, is kind of, well, in master's school, 9 hours, but if somebody's crazy, they want to do 12 hours. You know, 12 into 36, what? Three years, right? Okay. In seminary, 96 hours. Okay. Holy Toledo. But it's, it's standard, okay. And then you ask, you know, look at the seminary, what are they going to, you know. And, by the way, uh, in the past, at a seminary, and this is just a thought, I priced one course, a three-hour course, one three-hour course. And it was $800 dollars online and that was ten years ago eight hundred dollars for one class okay so now a lot of these institutions all right are now getting hammered because online training is supposed to be better, or or uh, by, uh, no, let me let me rephrase that. Not better, but just let's say accessible. But uh, I'm not going to get into any pricing things going on here. But let me just say this: eight hundred freaking dollars for one class. All right. If you got run the run this run this by the math calculator. Ninety six hours. All right. You can divide that up if you want. So, they make it hard, some denominations. Now, there are denominations that support their young ministers like that. And new ministers, let me just say that, because some of these guys aren't young anymore. The issue is is they support them. They they help them with a a stipend and stuff. There are even churches that do that. And that's who should be doing it. (laughs) In Jesus' day, a synagogue actually might take uh, a couple of people who showed promise and pay all their bills so they could do nothing but study the Bible. Nothing but study the Torah. And learn. Wow, and why did they do that? Because that person could then share all of the wondrous things that they were able to find in the Word with them, and then you know, and their and their and their kids didn't starve, and their mom, and their wives and or their spouses didn't starve, you know. And yes, it was it was more than likely just men at that point. That's true. But but now, there are denominations that just literally starve the ever loving heck out of these people. Now, here's what's going on though. After the fact, what does that do? After you do all of these hours, and you're starving to blooming death, and you're you're probably pastoring a church on the side, a a very high respected pastor that. Uh, that I know, did two degrees at seminary at the same time and pastor at a church. When are they going to see their family? No wonder pastor's kids are always, you know, whoa, these kids are off the chain. Why? Because her dad's never home. <laughs> why is her wife stressed out? Because he's never home. He's never home. You know. And if it's, a, if it's a woman, it's the same thing. She's always doing something. And she's never home. That's stressful, I know. It. But we want these people to have a really good, solid family relationship. Well, how are they supposed to do that? When the church has got them on call 24-7 and they're studying their brains out most of the time. Now, I'm not, I'm not against... You know Education is, is a difficult process. Okay, I've got two master's degrees. I get it. But I want to say, you know, through the grace of God, that's how I got them. And oddly enough, it wasn't, you know, through the church. (laughs) The church didn't, you know, grab me and say, hey, we're going to pay all your bills. That's not what happened. Now, sometimes that works out, but sometimes it makes them spiteful. And you know, Let me tell you something else it does. Sometimes it craters the family. Sometimes it makes it infinitely hard because, look, that person is going to starve in seminary, and then they're going to get out and get a small church and starve there too. In fact, one, one little old adage was uh, the churches used to say, Well, God, you keep them humble and we'll keep them poor. And I'm not talking about making making them rich. I'm talking about giving them a wage that they can support their families on. But ultimately, unfortunately, especially in a professional system where the church is paying all of your bills, very few churches have a magnanimous viewpoint of you do what... You, we hired you to do this, we want you to do this like God leads you to do this. Now, obviously, there's got to be checks and balances. That's why I say this single pastor, you know, single man strategy, this key person mentality that a lot of churches have is doomed. It's killing us. Because even if they're a really Fantastic person, that much pressure will crater you at some point. That's why you got cra- pastors snapping their blooming crackers. They can't deal with it. Well, why? Well, because they're human. You know. But anyway. So the deal is this theological education. Most churches want you to have it for job advancement. How do, And I am going to say this, and then I am going to end this. But, it, but it's like this: How does a pastor think about this question? How does a pastor do job advancement in most situations? it ends up being more education or another church. So they get more education and if you know more, you're supposed to get paid more. Seems to be the thing. Not, hey, I'm even more of an asset to the church, but no, I got a degree now. I need to get more money. There's that. And yeah, people need to be compensated. I get it. But again, we're talking about a professional thing going on. And professional ministers aren't in the Bible. You can look it up. They ain't in there. People say, Well Jesus took you know, and I think I've already mentioned the fact that yeah, people mentioned Jesus. But Jesus was a carpenter and worked (laughs) worked that for thirty years. he knew something else and most rabbis did but then and then they go to another church so I heard a story true story from a pastor that I highly respect who mentioned that he knew someone that was at a church in Texas and then this church in Tennessee made him an offer said, hey, we love you know what you do. Why don't you come to us? He said, Well, I don't know. let me pray about it. So then, his church that he was at in Texas said, Well, we're going to increase your salary. And then the one in Tennessee said, Well, we'll we'll match that, and then we'll give you give you a nice car. And then the one in Texas said, Oh, we'll do the same thing. And then the one in Tennessee said, Well, we'll also put your son through Baylor. And guess what? God called him to Tennessee. Well, amazing? Wow. Now, I don't mean to sound so snarky, but the issue is, where is the Spirit of God in this process? Where? We have a ton of churches with a ton of people and a ton of ministers, and God's nowhere in there. God is having to work around us, and that's why I firmly believe why the numbers are slipping now again i'm not against people that are wealthy god needs those people too so they can keep you know outreach i'm not against ministers being paid for their service you've got to keep that in containment the checks and balances and that's why first off, start to finish it has to be a group leadership he needs to be he or she as pastor needs to be one among equals a team of elders not deacons Nothing in the Bible about deacons running the church. That happens a lot. But, it's important that in that scenario that there are checks and balance with the Spirit of God. That's why it's a team thing the church is a team. It's a family. That's why it's described as a family. And yeah, there's a head of the family. That's true. And guess who the head of the church is? Well, it ain't the pastor. It's Jesus. Is he the only one that talks to Jesus? If he is, wow, that church is in huge trouble. So, you see. So, Taking that in consideration, look at the church you're at. And the improvement that can be made is making sure the Spirit of God is in the process. And there's got to be checks and balances. The key man approach, you know, and and if they start quoting Moses to you, then you need to let them know, guess what? Moses screwed up, and he didn't get to go to the promised land. So, alright. Anyway. With that, I want to encourage you, though. I want to encourage you. Find a church that has God in the center. Spirit of God in the center. A pastor that's humble and teaches and does his best or her best, to give you the Spirit of God, the teaching of the Word of God. And keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. If you would like to support this ministry, then please go to Patreon under L.A. Blackburn. May God bless every effort you make to do His will in His word.